0: CDN TV, and if you're watching us live on our Facebook stream, welcome to this week's episode of This Week in Interview with your host and guide, Anthony Drago. It's always a pleasure being with you on a Wednesday night. Uh, I always say it is the highlight of, of my week, and so I want to thank you for making the time to be with us. My regular listeners, you know I don't take your time for granted. I, I always appreciate the fact that you make This weekend Interview part of your weekly schedule. And for that, I am very appreciative. If tonight is the first time that you're joining us on This weekend Interview, I hope that you like what you hear, you like the experience, so that you also can become a regular listener, a viewer to This Week Interview. As usual, I would like you to, to invite somebody to watch with you share the live the information that we share on this weekend interview is is um of such a critical nature that the more the more people that we can get to tune in is the better it would be we want to start a movement and the more people we have uh is the more successful our movement is going to be for those of you who are on the nature aisle i want to say a very good night to you And those of you who are joining us on RVR Jams on DigiPlay, channel 59, uh, RVR Jams broadcast live this week in interview. We are in the month of October, and October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. A very somber topic, because I think that breast cancer has touched everybody who is within the the reach of my voice. Everybody has been affected by breast cancer. Whether you are a survivor, whether you are the family member of a survivor, whether you have lost someone to breast cancer, it has touched all of us, maybe a coworker, a friend, a sister, a brother, a father, anything. I think so many of us have been touched by breast cancer And in many instances, multiple times. So I thought it was fitting that uh, to commemorate uh, Breast Cancer Month, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, uh, month of October, that I would dedicate the first program in October to that important topic, because breast cancer is an enemy that we have to have a united front against. We can stand up to breast cancer and we can try to reverse it. So go ahead, invite five people to join us. Uh, we are on Facebook Live, uh, you see Tony Drago, um, slash This Weekend in Interview, you can find us on that on TDN Radio Facebook page. And for those of you who do not have Facebook, we are live on TDNTV.net. My guest tonight on This Weekend in Interview is Dr. Asha Martin, and Ms. Yvonne Alexander. Dr. Dr. Martin is an oncologist and hematologist and um, Ms. Alexander is the president of the Dominica Cancer Society. So I think that they're well-placed and well-familiar to to bring us the information that we need so that we can join the fight. We can can be at the front lines of this fight um, against breast cancer. I'm not going to take too much more time with the intro. Uh, as usual, we do the CARICOM anthem. And uh, as soon as we come back, we will be joined online by Dr. Asha Martin and Miss Yvonne Alexander. So let's listen to the CARICOM anthem, and we'll be right back.
1: forefathers came, some seeking adventure, some bound in chain, through battles waged and fought, through victory and pain, by test of their courage, our freedom was gained. those gone before us, the heroes of lands in the sun, we vow to join hands and to focus on building one Caribbean, raise your voices high, sing of your courage.
0: That's my little pitch for Caribbean Unity, my Caricom Anthem. I play it every week and there's so many folks who say the only place that they get the Anthem is on this week in interview and I'm very proud about that. And um, tonight we're talking breast cancer. Welcome to you if you join us a little bit um, after we started. Uh, I see Didi Easter, one of my regulars, is on. Good evening, Didi. She's saying good evening to... To me and the guests, Um, thank you so much for always, always being on. Um, We're talking breast cancer. And as we said, uh, breast cancer has touched everybody in one way or the other. Breast cancer has had an impact on everybody. Some people directly, because you are a survivor. I have quite a few folks who, um, friends, good friends, family, who have survived. A breast cancer or, or as they like to say they are in remission and um, there's a, a few of them intimately um, associated with them giving them rights to their, their, their chemo or their their treatment afterwards and so, and so it's something that I have seen up close and of course um, when it affects one person that one person has family and they're part of a community and so it affects us on every on every level. When we when we hear that diagnosis, cancer, that C word, it causes everybody to tremble. And so, maybe we shouldn't tremble for long. We should look to fight back. And so the Caricom anthem is fitting because I believe we may be able to get to uh, a, a, a you know a, a cure. Let's say a cure. Let's claim it. We should be able to get to a cure. Maybe as the caribbean um we're known to have some really super brain power um if we were able to bring our resources together and work together who knows the caribbean might be the place where uh the cure for cancer is discovered or emerges but as i said before the break my guests tonight i have two of them uh uh miss yvonne alexander from the dominica cancer society and dr asha martin dr asha is an oncologist and a hematologist and so i want to i want to say welcome ladies it's a pleasure to have you on the program i'm very honored because i know both of you are very busy um ladies um dr asha being a practicing medical doctor and even being miss alexander being the president of the cancer society um normally a hectic um role but even now in the month of october being breast cancer awareness month um i i know it must be hectic so i'm really appreciative of you joining us i see your daughter kiloma is on. She's saying, mommy. <laughs> and then she says, "Drago, um, colleagues, we worked at Doasco. We worked at Doasco together. I kill myself. It's been a long time. Um, hope, hope everything is good. Yeah. So, just, yes, just yes, I wanted to start the conversation with, um, with Doctor Martin. I want you to take a little bit of time and and explain to me and the audience what is cancer." what how does it how how does cancer develop in the body how does it spread why is it so deadly why is it that we can we can take a spaceship to the moon or to wherever in space and bring it back and, la- and land it on a dime but we're not able to get wrap our minds our hands around this cancer thing and so explain to us uh, doctor from your position of expertise what is cancer
2: Is your mic muted? Is it? Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Okay. First of all, let me just say hello to to you, Mr. Drago, and to Mm -hmm. Miss Yvonne. Hi, Miss Yvonne. It's been a little while. And um, to your listeners. And thank you for inviting me and allowing me to be here to um, speak on a topic um, that is obviously near and dear to my heart. And I hope that I will be able to shed some, some light and give some knowledge um, to our listening public out there. So, thank you again for having me. It's so, a
0: pleasure.
2: So, to talk about, so to answer the, the, the question that you asked,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. I mean,
2: mm-hmm. it, 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 it's a very vast question. And the simple definition of cancer is that it is an umbrella term that is used to denote a very large group of diseases that are characterized by very specific things, even though they are very diverse and unique, they all have certain common characteristics. And the common characteristics is that you have the abnormal growth of cells, the uncontrolled abnormal growth of cells, and the propensity and the and the possibility of spread. All cancers are characterized by that. An uncontrolled abnormal growth of abnormal cells and a high risk of being able to spread and the characteristic of being able to spread. In a nutshell, that's what cancer is. But having said that, this is a highly simplified definition, but it really highlights the important characteristics of all cancers, whether they're solid tumors like breast cancer or blood-borne cancers like
0: leukemia? Okay. So that's a definition mm-hmm. that says: okay, cancer is the abnormal growth of abnormal cells that, that has the ability to just to multiply and spread, and spread. itself mm. in, in, in the body. And so I imagine when you say there are different types and there are various. I guess cancer can be triggered by different um, I mean what what causes cancer right. to develop in some people and not in others?
2: Okay, so all cancers, all of them, even though they're very it's, it's legion the number of cancers that exist, but all of them start with something. They all start with a mutation. So sometimes we talk about, oh, um, genetic predisposition and something like it runs in families and other people it doesn't, depending on the type of cancer. But whether or not your cancer is inherited, meaning it runs in families, or it, or it isn't inherited, they all start from a mutation. Now, in the majority of cases, over 80% of cases, that mutation is spontaneous that spontaneous mutation may occur as a result of certain modifiable risk factors or non-modifiable risk factors in over 80% of the cases. In less than 20% of the cases, that mutation is inherited. But they all start from a mutation. So that's what kicks off the the, the the cancer process, a mutation.
0: Right. Okay. Wow. A lot to dive into there. Um <laughs> Yvonne, welcome. We're well, very, very warm, welcome back. You've been on before um, with us. And and I remember when you were with us, you shared a lot of statistics and, and really brought to light that cancer was I, I didn't think at it last time you were here, we didn't speak specifically about breast cancer. We spoke about cancer in general. And you had brought to our attention how how much of a problem it is in Dominica. More than more than I think I, I and me and my audience were aware at the time. But I, I want to talk first about the Dominica Cancer Society. You, you're here as the president of the Dominica Cancer Society. Uh, before we get too far along into the conversation about the cancer itself, what is the role, what is the purpose of the Dominica Cancer Society?
3: And like Asher, I want to say a pleasant good evening to everyone who is listening to us. The including my children who may have tuned in. I know you said Kilo is <laughs> present. Um, good night. Welcome. Um, the Dominica Cancer Society is a not-for-profit organization um, in Dominica. We really are probably one of the main organizations that do a lot of cancer education on island we have three specific areas of, um, specific areas of focus. And mm-hmm. specific area of focus number one is we mobilize financial resources. And why is this a specific area of focus? Because we have discovered that there are many individuals in Dominica who are affected by cancer, diagnosed with cancer, And one of the main issues, that's why the focus of closing the care gap is that they do not have the financial means to pay for treatment. They do not have health insurance or the financial means to pay for treatment. So hence area of focus number one, um, due to our existence, we are in a position to assist these individuals to meet the cost of treatment. We are not able to pay for all their treatment, but we meet them somewhere, we start them off. We can assist them by paying for the surgery, um, for them to begin chemotherapy and the like. We, area of focus number two is we educate and advocate. If you do not hear our voices speaking about cancer and informing the public about the serious nature of cancer and about being screened. You hardly hear anyone else. And so we have the lead role in educating and advocating. We also provide psychosocial support. I think you started your introduction by indicating how um, scary a cancer diagnosis can be, how people are even afraid of just the mere word cancer. And so some individuals who are diagnosed may not be very sure how to receive the diagnosis, how to treat to the diagnosis, they become very emotionally traumatized. And so this is part of the role that we provide psychosocial support to not only the individuals who is affected, sometimes the family and the extended family, that we can have someone accompany them, that we can sit with them and assist them in understanding what are the options available to them, because sometimes they receive the diagnosis and they are really told nothing more um, by the medical practitioner. They may just be, the results may just be shared with them of probably a diagnostic test, and they are left on their own. So, the, so they come to the Dominical Cancer Society. So these are among the main um, areas of focus that we have and everything else that we do stem from that. So the annual work for cancer is awareness raising, educational, fundraising, all in fitting with our areas of focus. The radio programs that we do is to educate, 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 encourage screening. So you hear us talking about early intervention saves lives over and over and over again, like a broken record. It needs to be said because um, we want people to truly Understand that early intervention saves lives, and if they ha- if they they are to have a fighting chance of surviving cancer, it has to be diagnosed early. They have to be receive timely treatment, and then they can survive.
0: Right. Uh, I'm going to stay for a little bit because um, we we're talking about the Cancer Society. You said one of your main functions is to provide financial support. How? Where does that funding come from to the Dominican Cancer Society so that you can have it available to to, um, people who who are affected by cancer?
3: Right. So much of our our administrative cost of operating our office is met through a $30,000 subvention from the government. But that only pays for the rent, the utilities, and the like. Um, admin cost of operating the office, that's all, that's $30,000. So the rest of the money that we use to assist individuals to meet the cost of treatment comes from everybody else who supports the work that the Dominica Cancer Society does. Our corporates and partners and and sponsors of, you know, whatever it is we do, the work, Um, um, individuals who Come in and make a donation. Like during the walk, we had donation buckets, and there were people just putting whether it's their little five dollars or their little ten dollars into it. We have something called a cancer care fund. It is at the National Bank of Dominica, that's where we bank. That fund is available, and it is and we do such things like um fundraising activities, like um raffles, you know. Per um, breakfast, you know, fundraising per breakfast—that's what we do to try to raise funds. We really depend very largely on the generosity of the corporate citizens in Dominica and individuals who contribute to that cancer care fund. That's where the money comes from. We beg for yeah,
0: it. Yeah, I, I watched a good part of your cancer walk this yes. weekend. It seemed like it was so. Successful. Congratulations on on achieving that. Yes. Um, listeners, we, we understand there is an account at the National Bank. So, if I'm in I, I'm in New York, if I if I want to make a contribution to the Dominica Cancer Society, um, how would I go about doing that? Is there a way to, to put money into that? How, how is well,
3: that? Yes, you can find out from your own um, local bank. We do have a more banking account, so I know that Mo you banking can... account.
0: Yes. Okay.
3: And um, for those who inquire, we usually send them the information, like whether um, your bank may require things like the SWIFT code and all of that. We send it right. to individuals. We prefer to send it to individuals personally than just publish it. At the moment, we are discussing with um, an individual who is more tech-savvy than we at the Dominica Cancer Society, um the the whole question of um, some sort of online um, donation platform, so to speak, we are we are okay. actually having a web page built. We hope that that can be part of it, but in the meantime you have a lot of cash apps and all of that. and we are trying to discuss what would be the most suitable for an organization a not for-profit organization like the Dominica Cancer Society. So this is currently in discussion. But currently you can go to your bank, our bank is the National Bank of Dominica, and probably discuss um, how can you um, transfer funds to us, you know, and the money comes in. We how how would hide. that
0: person contact you? They, did they call on numbers? They are, right. Emails? So
3: there is, well, um, most of our contact is done via, we do have a Facebook page and people make this kind of inquiries via our Dominica Cancer Society Facebook page. We do have, okay. we 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 also get a lot of um, information via our and that information is also on the Facebook page, our our email address. So our email address is Dom cancer society, dom cancer society at gmail.com, and it's all lowercase dom cancer society at gmail.com. If you get in touch with us. We send you all the information that you possibly you can possibly need. And every time anyone makes a donation, we do send you a receipt and a thank you letter or a thank you card indicating we have received their funds and we are grateful for it. Yes.
0: Oh, okay. So awesome. Listeners, you hear it. Um, their funding comes from the public, from us. The public yes. is me, you, everybody else. So yes. those of you... Um, if you give a dollar and you're located in the U.S., the dollar would turn to almost $3. It goes right. a long way. And um, later in the show, when you hear the prevalence, you'll see how much they actually need, need that. Uh, right. Dr. Martin, um, I'm coming back to you. The theme for this year, um, World Cancer Day on is was the 4th of February, 2022. And the the theme was, closing the care gap mm-hmm. um the, the theme for this month of um october cancer awareness month is rising so mm-hmm. when we when we were talking before um and he once and said that she she wanted the the there the cancer Solidized society has decided to keep on the theme closing the care gap so so it's like you, you rise to the challenge of closing the care gap. Mm. And, and since you are a doctor, an oncologist, and so mm-hmm. therefore I, I imagine a large part of your work, Dr. Martin, is providing care for, for people who are being diagnosed or people who are being treated for cancer. Can you just spend a little bit of time and, and let's talk about um, the type of care that is provided to uh, uh Somebody who has been diagnosed or somebody who is sick with, with cancer.
2: Okay. Well, I mean, just sticking with the theme, the closing mm. the care gap, I think for us to even talk about that, we have to, to then kind of elucidate exactly what we mean by care, right? Right. Because sometimes when people hear about care, they automatically go to what they actually think is active treatment. So, active treatment falls kind of in the middle of the care spectrum. Care really, especially when we're talking about cancer, really starts from screening, starts from the preventative measures, and goes all the way through past, in, encompasses active therapy, and also survivorship care, palliative care. So it's, so, so it's broad, right? <laughs> and <laughs> And each and each component of care is equally important. No one is more important than the other. Um, in low-income countries such as ours, um, the focus is often on active treatment because the care that we are able to offer in terms of screening slash prevention is oftentimes sufficient, um, for want of a better phrase, just to kind of put it plainly. So when we're talking about closing the care gap, we're trying to get, we're trying to get us in the low-income countries to the levels of where, quote-unquote, the high-income countries are. And just to kind of highlight the, 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 the chasm that separates us, when you talk about five-year overall survival from breast cancer, and I'm using breast cancer as an example, in high-income first world countries, you have a five-year survival rate as high as 90%, right? And then in lower income countries, we're talking about under 40%. So that and what they have found when they have looked at the data as to why there is such a pattern, it really starts with this. Where that has some of the biggest impact is actually in their screening care. Right. How much in terms of they have invested in terms of making it available to a vast um cohort of the population in terms of screening um again Yvonne will say and she will continue to say it and i will continue to to support her when she says, early detection saves lives right and that is true early detection does save lives because your outcome of your of your breast cancer, and we're going to use breast cancer as our, yes, our example throughout cancer, the yes. night. Mm-hmm, for sure. Right? Mm-hmm. In terms of your outcomes and your likelihood of survival, um, for your breast cancer diagnosis, some your stage at diagnosis accounts for about 75% of it. So the earlier your stage, right, the more likely you are to survive. And that's, and that's just simple mathematics right because stage implies not only the size of the tumor it also it also encompasses the 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 whether or not the disease has spread to the lymph nodes and even more than that whether or not the disease has spread to other parts of the body so if you can be screened and in that screening while you're getting your regular screen namely and for breast cancer what is recommended um, depending on which side of the pond that you are, be it the U.S. and Canada versus Europe, they will say either start between 40. Europe tends to be a bit more conservative. They say around 45 thereabouts. But either way, between 40 to 45 years old, for average-risk women, you should start your screening. right? And your screening should include what is, what, what is identified as a gold standard for screening is still the mammogram. For most women there are some women depending on the characteristic of their breast they may recommend an mri they may recommend an ultrasound right but the mammogram is still somewhat the the international gold standard so when we're talking about closing the care gap using dominica as a prime example um most people in dominica do not have health insurance most people and that would mean that screening would have to be paid out of pocket or it would have to be subsidized by the government. Um, there is no functional mammogram machine as yet at our hospital. So right then and there, you have we we have denied the possibility of screening to the vast majority of women in Dominica. So already from from our first step, we're, we're missing. We're bucking our toe already. Right. From the, mm-hmm. from, from the first entry point in terms of care, we're, we're already bouncing our door, alright? So that's, that's, that's prevention, that's screening, right? And then you come to active therapy and diagnosis. So when you come to active therapy and diagnosis, usually with, with breast cancer treatment, you have, you have three main pillars for your active therapy. Surgical, systemic, mm-hmm. And, and radiation. Of the three, there's no radiation on island. So that's one pillar that is already just non-existent on the island. We have very competent surgeons, right? But sometimes, unfortunately, in spite of their competency, they are a bit hindered due to logistical issues that are, that are, beyond, this, are beyond my purview to discuss. And then we also have limitations in terms of the availability of systemic therapy. Because again, much like cancer is an umbrella term, breast cancer is also an umbrella term because there are very distinct types of breast cancer that respond to very specific therapies based on their distinct biological subtype. And unfortunately, um, even though I must, and I must commend the the, the powers that be in making certain basic chemotherapeutics readily available and I commend the funding that is made available for that and I also commend the people who work tirelessly behind the scenes as in those in, in a pharmacy, in a main pharmacy and government pharmacy and procurement that will work hard pass their regular working hours to try to ensure that patients have their meds available. But there are limitations and unfortunately, sometimes it is um, outcome-changing limitations that we have because Mm -hmm. of the lack of availability of the really required targeted systemic therapy. Right? So again, in active care, we have a gap there again. And then, of course, Further down in care, we're talking about post-treatment care, survivorship care, right? Mm. Which is important because as Yvonne was saying, and I'm sure as she'll bring out when she's talking about her personal journey, a cancer diagnosis and therapy is, is physically traumatic, right? And it's also psychologically traumatic. And in, so while you're going through it and when you're recovering from it, you need that support, you need the assistance of a dietician. You need the assistance of a psychologist to help to give you the tools that you need to deal with that type of trauma, right? Neither of which that we have readily available at our, at our main treatment facility at home. So, so again, we're also, there's also a gap for us locally in terms of survivorship here. And then going even further down the line, for those, for those of us who don't have favorable outcomes, who may have been advanced from their as, as a lot of them are, may have been way too advanced at the time of diagnosis, and a, and a likelihood of cure is essentially non-existent. They require palliative care, which includes not only the physical, the psychological, but also an additional component in terms of their pain management, Sometimes they need end-of-life care, hospice care, because they're unable to care for themselves and they may not have that social support that is required. And again, we find that we do fall regrettably short in that department as well because we have no official palliative anything, really. Yeah. So there are many points in the care how do you say, journey spectrum? of cancer, the care spectrum, yeah, I like that word. The, <laughs> care, spectrum, the care spectrum of cancer That significant. I mean, it's, we're not even talking about gaps here. We're talking about values here. We're talking about, about canyons exist. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, having said all that, I don't, I don't necessarily think that it is a hopeless situation because even though it may seem insurmountable, all it really takes is, is intent, genuine intent, adequate funding, right? And investment, not only in things, but in people. Because you need your human resource, because it's gonna be the people that carry it through to make it sustainable. And I think we have the potential in us as Dominicans, as West Indians, as Caribbean people, to, to 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 do better, to do better for ourselves, to do better for our people. So yeah, I do think it's achievable, but we have to get serious about it and stop playing lip service. wow
0: well, you you've <laughs> laid down, you've laid down in front of us a, a good assessment of the challenge mm-hmm. that we face, the the work that is before us to do. Um, I'm going to take a quick break together we'll start from the sponsors and when we come back uh, we, we're going to explore that a little bit but maybe unpack some of what you some yeah. of what you said let all let folks really understand what we're facing and maybe in there we can identify some areas that we can that is within our powers to address what can we do as individuals so we'll be right back listeners um talking to our guests, dr asha martin and miss yvonne alexander on the the, um, the, the start of October being Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Stay tuned. Presented by
1: If you live in Canada, the US and the UK and are looking for Dominica products including cocoa sticks, bay rum, coffee, soaps, crafts, and other popular Dominica items, then look no further. You can now shop on BuyDominicaOnline.com, a secure, easy-to-navigate website selling a wide variety of Dominica-made and Dominica-inspired products. When you shop on BuyDominicaOnline.com, you are helping to grow Dominica's economy. Go to BuyDominicaOnline.com and enjoy Home Away From Home.
0: People say I've got a great smile. Well, I have to say, this is all thanks
1: to
2: the professional team at Beacon Dental Group right here in Dorchester, Massachusetts. I've got world-class dental care. Beacon Dental Group has expert and caring staff dedicated to providing the most advanced and satisfactory treatment in all aspects of oral health. Their services are designed to meet your needs and give you a perfect smile, too. General checkups, cosmetic surgery, Gemini laser service, and advanced procedures, all in a state of the art facility. Call or visit Beacon Dental Group today,
1: 1026 Blue Hill Avenue, Dorchester, Massachusetts, or call 617
0: 282 2146 for a smile that lights the world. Hey, yo,
3: this is your boy Wet What's up, it's your girl, Tasha P?
0: Boy, cool, TNTN.
3: With Shelley, straight out of Signal.
1: I'm Hermina George. Press Abiyah Yisrael.
3: This is Cornell Philip. This is Samantha Moon. This is King Hunter. This is Talena. GK. This is Sadiq from Connect 767. Hello, 7. and Maggie Peters. And I'm inviting you to Dissect. 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 Dissect Program. Dissect. On Dissect.
0: Where are we gonna be dissecting the music. Dissecting Signal.
3: I will be on Dissect.
0: Dissecting the album controversy. At
1: 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On Island Therapy. TDN TV and Island Therapy.
0: Facebook and YouTube. At Saturday
3: night at 7 p.m.
0: Check out Dissect on Island Therapy live. Come on, let's dissect the thing, no Every Saturday at 7 p.m. on TDN TV.net or Island Therapy Facebook or YouTube page. You do not want to miss this. Shop them. <laughs> Dissecting.
1: See
0: you there. Peace. Welcome back. Welcome back, listeners. One of the main supporters of this weekend interview is MANS Audiovisual. Uh, they they take care of our graphics needs. Uh, very, very talented and, and professional organization out of Connecticut. Dominican own, of course, but they're out of Connecticut. Um, I encourage you, if you have any events, any need for a photographer, um, people to come by and do, to, to video your, your events, whether for, for a recorded version or for live streaming, you can just contact Man's Audiovisual for all of those needs. Um, they are very strong associates of TDN and This Week in Interview. If you, if you have trouble finding them, just reach out to us. We will point you in the direction. And we do a lot of work together so we can vouch for, for them. A man's Audiovisual, M-A-N-N Audiovisual. If you search for them, you will find them. Uh, but tonight we're talking breast cancer in, in recognition of October as Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And my guest tonight is Ms. Yvonne Alexander and Dr. Asha Martin. We have quite a few people on the, on the live. Um, Mary Benjamin, Emmeline, um, Ian, John, Kiloma, who is uh, proud of her mom, um, Kahina, Kahina is Kalinago, um, young lady. I I will leave the last name alone until I until I get my Kalinago's um, tongue properly exercised. Yeah. But um, so many others that are that are on there. I hope you're getting good information that you can share with yourself and if you're with your loved ones. Before we jump back into the care, Miss Yvonne Alexander is here as the president of the Dominica Cancer Society. And, and, and in the first half of the show, I encourage you to support the work that they do because uh, she says that the work that they do supporting cancer care, um, providing help for people who are diagnosed right. and suffering right. from, from cancer, um, comes from money that they raise within the community. So the government helps them with the infrastructure building and maybe some, uh, you know, administrative staff and so on. But the right. actual work that they do comes from you and I contributing our dollar, $1, five dollars, a hundred dollars. And so I encourage you to support them. They're doing excellent work. Um, they do so much with the little that they get, and that's what we want. We want that when somebody. When we support somebody, we can see the impact of what they do. It makes us feel good for having given. And so you can send them an email at domcancersociety at gmail.com. So domcancersociety at gmail.com. And find out how you can help. She will give you information as to how you can support. And and they're going to use technology to make it easier. But for now, um, that one-on-one contact is also beautiful as well because you know exactly who your funds are going to and how it's going to be used you can ask a question and get a response and all that but i'll let you know that miss alexander is also here tonight on the show as a survivor herself Uh, she's part of that 40 percent um where we heard dr martin said that when people are diagnosed with, with breast cancer um in 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 a first world country or otherwise, uh, five years from that diagnosis, the survivor is still alive 80% of the time. In, in our country, it's closer to 40%, so it's half of that. But luckily for us, she's part of that 40%. So, even I want to give you a little, some time to, to talk about your experience, your personal experience with breast cancer, your diagnosis, your care, your survivability, and I'm sure it's something that stays with you um, for as long as you live into your mm-hmm. psyche. So tell us about your experience. Yes.
3: And um, again, relating my experience back to um, all of the information provided by Dr. Marte regarding care and what care entails, my experience is a typical example of how sometimes um, what is or is not available can fail an individual. For instance, I had a habit of doing breast self-examinations, did one in 2013 and felt a lump, went to my medical doctor and said, I'm feeling a lump. Um, The medical doctor did not think that it was serious, Um, examined me and didn't think it was anything other than I'm going into menopause, so the lumps in my breasts are different. I was in the process of taking up a job in Barbados. I had a complete physical I moved to Barbados in that same early, 2013. Stayed in Barbados for year number one in 2014, around the same time, I'm still feeling the lump. I present myself to the Barbados Cancer Society, who does screening, told them that I felt a lump the previous year, I am still feeling it, so I'm back here, I'm here to get screened. I was screened, the usual screen screening um, mammogram, and ultrasound, and the lump was not showing up on the mammogram or ultrasound. Um, And they told me, well, it it could not be anything because it's not on the mammogram or ultrasound. So I left and I went home. And the lump was still there in 2015. And I went back, because I was still in Barbados, I went back to the Barbados Cancer Society to get screened. So the first screening in 2013 was in Dominica. I had a mammogram done and everything. Um, the, 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 it wasn't. It did not show up on the mammogram. The doctor examined me. Didn't think it was anything of significance. Um, Twenty fourteen Barbados. Twenty fifteen Barbados. And um, when they when I was told that they are not seeing anything, they did the mammogram. They did an ultrasound. They were not seeing anything. I call it gut feeling. Call it whatever it is you want. I just had in my mind that I don't care if you're telling me you're not feeling anything, this lump feels very strange. And I just wanted the lump surgically removed, whether or not it was showing up on your mammogram or the ultrasound. So um, thankfully, the person who was doing the ultrasound happened to have been a Dominican doctor, Dr. Jolly in Barbados. And I told him, you know, it's three years I'm feeling this lump. And I you know, to me, it feels a little uncomfortable. I'm, I'm finding it's getting more defined. I'm finding it's a little harder. I know you're not seeing it on the ultrasound, but can I? Um, who can I speak to if I just wanted the lump surgically removed? Because I know people can get lumps that are not cancerous. So I'm thinking it's a non-cancerous lump, but it feels a little uncomfortable, and I would like it. I was in no pain or anything, just feeling this little thing hardening every now and then. You know, because you, you you feel it. I'm bathing and it's there. And so he referred me to a Dr. Lewis who happens to be a really very good breast cancer surgeon in Barbados. And Dr. Lewis came right away into the room because he was at the Barbados Cancer Society. Barbados Cancer Society is not like Dominica Cancer Society. It's mm. like, it's operated like a business. They do the mm. screening and everything there. So Dr. Lewis came right away, examined me and uh, determined, decided that he wanted to do Um, a a biopsy right away. So he did the biopsy, I left. I went overseas um, doing the work that I was doing. I was called like around um, a a week or two later and told that the results were ready. I told them I was out of Barbados. They told me to come to them. When I returned, give them a date I would return, I went to them. And then here I was again talking about the care gap and the psychosocial support. And I was just being told by the doctor when I was not expecting it, because i mean, in three years, you'll tell me it's nothing that, um, from the time he said, um, he's so sorry, because he happened to have been one of the individuals who examined me the year before. And then he began to, when he, from the time he started, I'm so sorry, I began to shiver. Are you so sorry about what? It's actually cancer. By then it was a stage two A, so the stage in. You know, probably when I first felt it, it was a stage one, obviously. It was a stage two um, based on the biopsy that they had. Um, if they wanted to confirm the biopsy. They sent the, the sample to a lab in Tampa, I think they said. And um, thankfully, I was a member of the police force. I was part of a group medical insurance. I immediately made arrangements for surgery and, and, and everything. And right there and then, I was able to communicate with some of the individuals, my children, Um, people I thought that would be supportive, and to begin getting um, the surgery done like ASAP. And that was it. And for me, um, my opening my mouth every minute and continuing to advocate is, I said that um, what happened to me, um, if it was somebody else, the person could probably be dying now. You understand the person could have been dying now because the doctors tell you it's nothing. So you go home and you think, well, I have nothing to worry about. And then by the time they think you really have something to worry about, then you would be stage three, you would be stage four, you'd be fighting for your life. So this is why I will speak, because what happened to me should never happen. We know that we have a breast cancer situation in the country. We know, you know, to me, every breast lump should be taken seriously. And um, I don't know if you say it's not. And another thing is breast self-examination, because while I'm on the topic of me, you heard Dr. Mattis spoke about the fact that ideally um, people would be about 40 years when they are, um, you know, the rule of thumb or the the gold standard for um, the mammogram. 40 years, women start having mammograms. But we have had... 20 something year olds dead in Dominica from breast cancer. 20 something and 30 something year olds. And I'm talking early to mid 20s, early to mid 30s dead from breast cancer in Dominica. These people would not go to have oh. any mammogram done.
2: No. You know,
3: right. and this is why we have to continue to explore how do we assist in closing this care gap? You know, how do we encourage people to do your breast self-examination? And do, do you recommend that people begin getting things like mammogram done earlier than age 40? I don't know. But the conversations need to be had because this be is had. very serious. Doesn't yes.
0: Doesn't it? So um, thank you so much for sharing that story. Yes. And, so seven and years and,
3: later, I made the, the 40% and I'm grateful to God. I'm
0: here and I am um, going strong.
3: Yes.
2: I'm going yes, strong.
1: Yes. I
0: yes. yes. <laughs> we, 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 we are thankful for that as well. Yes. Yes. Um, there, there, you know, there's a few things that I, I, I think stand out. And you mentioned a couple of them. Self-examination. And so even though the, the recommendation is to start mammograms at 40 or 45 or whatever, I mean, as a woman, your yeah, breast is with you. 24 right. hours a day, seven days a week. Every time you go to bed, every time you take a shower, you have your breasts. So I think it should be encouraged that women simply examine their breasts every time. Yeah. So that so that whenever there is a change, you know what is different. Because if, if you don't examine it when it's normal, when you when there is something different, you may not realize there's something different until it is significantly different Right. so, so I, I think that, that should be something that should be encouraged encourage women to just examine your breasts every time from the time you have a daughter yeah. and she's 12-13 years old and she starts to show how to examine her breast and encourage her to examine her breasts um, I know there are some people who have some taboo against people touching themselves because they think of the breasts only in a sexual way um, but right. you have, we have to be able to get our young girls to feel comfortable examining their breasts and becoming intimately familiar with their breasts so that um, as if there is a change,
1: right. you can
0: recognize that change early. So, so, so that is the first one. Um, also, advocating for yourself. Because we hear how many times they told you, oh, it's nothing. It's probably menopause. It's probably this. It's probably that. It's not showing up, so it might not be something serious. But you, you know your body best, and right. you—if you—the body belongs to you. So advocate for yourself. Also, I guess it could be that um, have somebody that you feel comfortable discussing your medical, your body, your medical, with. Right. because you may have a blind spot to something, but you come and talk to somebody else about it. And they say, well, how, how comes the doctor tell you that? And say, so on, so on, so on, so right. So in that conversation, you also can have somebody that you can bounce an idea of and have that kind of a friendship, whether it's if your mother, your sister, your best friend, whatever. So those two things were the major takeaways for me. It's like to encourage people to do their self-exam, advocate for yourself and and take responsibility you know like i always encourage men to go do a prostate exam go do a colonoscopy same kind of thing um dr martin when you say that there is not a functioning mammogram Mm -hmm. at the hospital is there one that's just not working or there's not just not one
2: you know the particulars of that i i don't honestly well the only reason why i'm asking
0: (laughs) is because it's such an important thing i would really like to get involved in seeing if we can get a function in one. So if it's one that's there, but it's not working, then that's a different problem like if there's one that's just not present at all.
2: Fair enough. I Ideally, um, I think that, and, and there have been other groups and other individuals who have expressed much as you are doing, saying that, you know, I'd like to see how I can help see even to get one at the hospital. I think a conversation like that would probably be better served being held with probably the hospital medical director or the CEO of the hospital now that we have a board to just really see what it is that is needed. Is it that the machine, is their machine their one? Is it that the machine just needs a technician to come down and have a look at it? Or is it that we need a brand new one? So, so you know, to so just kind of make sure that whatever system, that is provided is provided in an efficient manner so i yeah, think it's compatible, yeah, with what is there. it's compatible with what is there because i always say you know help is good help is great help is wonderful <laughs> but you need to help people in a way that makes sense for where they are right now so um yeah i would that's what i would say i would advocate for that They just, just make contact with the, with the quote-unquote powers that be and see how best we can get that because that is a really integral and important piece of machinery that we
0: should have. Right. So, so I'm sorry, go ahead. Mm
2: -hmm. Just to make a quick note, really just to kind of, um, support the, the things that you were saying, really self-exam, the self exams are important because as you so rightly said, it lets you, it gets you to know what your body is like. So as soon as something is different, you know, Right. um, As it pertains to the screening age from 40 to 45, when women are supposed to start their mammograms, that's for average risk women. Women who have absolutely no family history, who have no personal history of having any abnormalities in their breasts from prior, and have no strong family history of breast cancers, ovarian cancers, fallopian cancers, those sorts of things that send red flags to they being at an increased risk of suffering from cancer. In addition to the education and advocacy of the patient and by the patient, I also think that sometimes we as medical professionals need to be humble and realize that we don't know everything. And if a patient is coming to you with a genuine concern, that maybe mm-hmm. we should take it seriously and not think that we know we know it all and know best. Um, I have had patients come to me much like Yvonne did, um, saying that you know I went to the doctor and the doctor was like, no, it's not anything to worry about. Yes, they examined me. Yes, they may or may not have felt something, but because I was so young, they they said, oh, it's nothing to worry about. Until until it progressed and became something serious, and by which time it was it was too late. So I think I've always uh, something that I always say is that no one is too young for cancer. My youngest cancer patient was days old. I've treated a baby with cancer a newborn baby with cancer. So there's no such thing as too young. Um, and yes, breast cancer typically is a disease of the post-menopausal woman. Over 70% of women who develop yes. breast cancer will be postmenopausal. But what about that 30, 35%? Right.
1: Right.
2: right. Those are pre-menopausal. And those are the women that tend to have very aggressive disease. And right. Those are the ones that we need to really, really take seriously. And because they're premenopausal, they would be less likely to be screening. Unlike the right. postmenopausal woman, who, because she knows she's at risk, right. will actively seek out help. Right. So I think we, as physicians, and I say we, the collective, we, because it's a fraternity, we yeah. as physicians need to continue to educate ourselves and to. And to continue also to approach care from from a place of humility and know that we don't always know everything and take yeah. patients' concerns seriously.
0: That that is such that is such good good advice. And I hope I hope the women in here are, are listening and Ooh. the men as well um, because you have women in your lives. You have to make sure that you ask them. You know. Yeah. The, yeah,
2: when and, was the last encourage, time
0: examined their breast but you had encourage your partners ensure that
2: they're getting checked ask them but, exactly you
3: know. but dr, dr. Mate, men as well
2: we yes. do have a few we do incidents have a few of
3: breast cancer in men in mm-hmm.
0: Dominica
2: yes one right two so if a man is feeling his breast, breast and he feels
0: a lump yeah um, you should go go check it that is such an important yeah. important aspect yeah. So we're talking about closing the care gap, okay? Mm-hmm. We, we saw the, the outline by Dr. Martin of the gaps, if you want to call them gaps. She called them chasms, she called them valleys. <laughs> but the challenge is there. Mm-hmm. Um, even from, a, from the Dominican Cancer Society's perspective, just spend a few minutes. I know we over the time. If you guys have yes. the time, we can indulge and go over. this. Um, that, that that's because we cannot stop right now.
1: Right. Um,
0: you know, just go over what is it that you are seeing in terms of cancer, breast cancer in Dominica. Um, how are you guys approaching? Um. Providing care, assisting in the care, assisting, mm-hmm, right. and and where where are the major areas that we have to work on? What are our major, more urgent challenges that we that we that if we could solve those one, two, three, we could we could yes. probably see an impact on the outcomes.
3: All right. So so number one is making screening much more readily available okay. because uh-huh. um, because remember part of the care is the preventive care. Making screening much more readily available. Be it at, um, and it can start with, because we won't have a mammogram machine across in every health district or anything. So, But um, you can have sessions at health clinics where nurses are showing women how to do proper breast self-examinations and encouraging it. Because people do come. I have found, um, and Dr. Mate can probably speak to that, that the fact that there are what appears to me to be rising incidents of of cancer and breast cancer in Dominica based on the individuals who come to the Dominica Cancer Society, that I'm finding that um, there should be a little more encouragement by um, medical professionals. Like I come to you and I may come to tell you that I'm feeling a headache or, you know, my shoulder keeps hurting me. And to me, you should be probably asking me, you know, do you, you know, even if we are addressing the headache and the shoulder ache, um, you know, about the importance of having, you know, breast self-examination done or your pap smear done or something like that. And I'm I'm, I'm sensing that is part of what we would like to see happening. That because we are having a a kind of like a serious concern, a serious issue with those with like non-communicable diseases generally, to me, that that every effort should be made to always address those issues from the standpoint- So let me
0: let me just pause you one second. Yes. there. What you're suggesting is that maybe every at every interaction that a person has with a medical professional, that there are some basic yes. standard things that they should yes. bring up. Yes, yes. right.
2: So so yes. as a as a matter of fact, that's called there's there's a term for that. Really, it's called like opportunistic screening. So in, right, in, in, right, right. in settings where you don't have an established national cancer plan or even a national um, cancer screening program, what happens is that it then falls on the, the point-of-care physician to ask that question and right. to advocate for that because, you, because, because you're the one seeing the patient. So even if the patient comes for, you know, they buck their toe kind of thing, then you take right. that opportunity to ask, well, you know, because you have the demographics of the patient, you see nice. the 55-year-old female. So you ask, well, have you ever had um, breast cancer screening? Do you do your breast exams? When was the last mammogram? Because that woman should have had mammograms already. Mm-hmm. And you ask, you know, you, you see a young woman, she has kids or whatever. So this is a woman that is, no matter her age, should have started her, her cervical cancer screening. So you ask her, well, when was your last Pap smear? You understand? Well, kind of thing. Because the reality of the situation is that oftentimes the patients themselves do not know.
1: Right. Right? No. right. They
2: do not know. And also, too, with the isms and schisms of life, everything else is more important, particularly when you're speaking about women. For the most right. part, everything else, everyone else is much more important than you're so busy and you're not really taking real stock of what's happening with right. you. Right? So so you take so all it really takes is someone just kind of pointing it out to you and then you sit down and you say, But oh, wait, it's been a while for truth. Yeah, you know it's true. All you need is sometimes that's all it takes. Just somebody right. pointing it out. So so that's how it's opportunistic screening. It's not ideal. Uh, it's not ideal. But it is something, and I think probably again, more of us in the in the healthcare fraternity should um Probably be doing that, just taking that opportunity to, to advocate for those, for those sorts of things. So, to get the patient certainly doing that, and at
0: the very least, it raises the awareness and raises the, awareness, yes. the consciousness yes. Yes. of people yes. that should yes. be paying yes. attention to that. You know, certainly, okay. right? Okay. So, there is, so I, I'm sorry somewhere. for interrupting you, everyone, yes. but I thought yes. that was important too.
3: To I know it was, yes. Yeah. And thank you so much for coming in on that, too, um, Dr. Mate. And then there are there are concerns about um, diagnostic testings mm-hmm. um, and and, and um, appointment for diagnosis. So number one, the screening is not readily available. So you have to go to a private caregiver, and then you go there, and it may be um, is a diagnostic test now because the doctor you are concerned about something, and it's a diagnosis. It's not just like your routine, just because um, you want to get screened it's a diagnostic test because there is some level of suspicion right. and um, at the at, at the place where diagnostic tests are, are, are given um, you may be given a free month um, probably they want to give you a free month appointment um there are no appointments available until next week um, next year January or February next year that's where I can fit you in and to me I am thinking that once the, to me there's The the screening should be the the documentation to go get that screened, go get this test done so that we can determine what is happening here should be done in such a way, again, probably by the medical professionals, so that the diagnostics people are in no doubt that, hey, we may possibly have something urgent here that we need to take care of. And Mm -hmm. so... I, the patient, shouldn't be the one bargaining with them. Or I may just think it's OK for you to give me an appointment in three months' time, you know? So so such that those things are captured. So there is not this lengthy delay, number one, to get the, the, the screening done, and then another lengthy delay to get the test results and go back. and And so it is not unusual in Dominica for there to be a delay, sometime of months, yeah. between I first saw the doctor and they think there's a problem to going back to that doctor
0: with the results. In my experience, right? Sometimes the doctor even yeah. forget what you know. He has to remind yeah. in, himself or herself.
2: In my Go ahead, experience, Asha. in my experience working at the um, oncology department, um, the average delay from suspicion to confirmed diagnosis unfortunately, often took more than a month. Um, yeah. Often took more than a month. Because as Yvonne was kind of pointing out, you, you suspect you go somewhere, they send you for a test. Remember, again, most people don't have health insurance and you have to pay for that out of pocket. Not everybody, most people don't have that kind of money lying down there. So that would mean, oh boy, you know, I have to wait until month end and see what I can ship around or go and get a quick loan and see if I can pay. And that's just for the mammogram. And right. then you have to come back, okay, yes, they see something suspicious there. What you want to do? But because a lesion on a mammogram is not a confirmed diagnosis, right? You need, you need to have tissue. So then you then go back to whichever physician that you saw who may not have been surgeon. So then you're sent to a surgeon. So you either have to wait for an appointment available at the government facility or go privately. Again, that's money out of pocket. You may then have to negotiate and juggle again to see how you're going to get that money if you want to be seen quicker. You go to that private physician, but if you're going to see a surgeon, if you're going to see someone privately, the diagnostic test is going to have to be paid for privately, right? So you can either pay money up front and get it done in a, in, at, at a private facility and get it done quickly, or go back to the government facility and join the regular line. Even though I will say, and I, and I, will, I will speak on behalf of my colleagues, that if communication is held, And that's where communication is key between healthcare professionals. Because oftentimes a a patient has come back with a mammogram and I say, okay, no, no, no. That's not enough. Send them to the surgical clinic. They get this long date, three months, four months to the surgical clinic. I call and I say, hey, I have this patient. I think this is what, and I really need it. And they will say, okay, fine. Because all physicians, we triage. We have to, not everything carries the same weight. Right? right? And if it's a suspicion of a malignancy, that carries immensely more weight than something that can be dealt with electively. Right? right? So communication is held, they will say, okay, fine. And all of a sudden, the, the, the process is sped up, but it requires communication between healthcare professionals in order for those steps to be taken. And that's not a favor that they're doing for me. Oh, because they know matter. No, it's, it's standard practice right? That's right. how it's done, whether you're in New York or whether you're in Rosa dominico right? And again, when that, when that diagnostic surgery is taken now, then we then have to wait until we get the results from the pathologist. Results. And then, unfortunately, at times, like recent times, we have had long periods of time when there just isn't a pathology. Mm. So the samples are taken and they're sitting there waiting for a diagnosis mm. that no one can get. All right. So again, you then have to say, well, if you have your own personal funds, you can ask for your sample and get them sent abroad. But again, that requires out-of-pocket funds that, as we know, most people just do not okay. have regu- yes. readily available. And all of this is the lead up to diagnosis. You know, we haven't even talked about treatment yet. Right. Right. We haven't even talked about staging imaging yet, like if they need a CT scan and we haven't even had that discussion as yet. So it can take them anywhere from a month to three months just to get to the point of I being able to say to them, okay, this is what you have. And then comes the next step, where I have to tell them, well, this is what we're going to need to be able to determine what your stage is and what exact type of cancer that you have. And then we start the whole process again. So, I mean best case scenario if your funds are readily available and you can get access to things quickly it can take you it shouldn't in an ideal world you can get everything within a week worst case scenario i've seen it take as long as i mean yvonne i'm you know you know i'm not exaggerating i'm I'm smiling because i got everything
3: done within a week because there was health insurance there was funds readily available so i started paying for stuff and then mm-hmm. I got
2: refunded. So exactly. I got exactly. everything. But and you were man, in a position to start the ball rolling. Right, right. I mean right. be in in, in in your current position as the president of the Cancer Society. You know that patients are coming to you guys asking for assistance just for the screening process. Right. Not even for treatment. Right. And we haven't even gotten to treatment. So worst case scenario, it takes months before we can even get to the point where we're starting systemic therapy. By which time a woman may have gone from being stage one and readily curable to being stage four and incurable. That is what time...
3: And this this is part of why um, closing the care gap will remain our area of focus probably for the next year to come i'm not sure what the theme is going to be next year <laughs> because um there is so much yeah and like dr mate said there are people at home here who are trying but They're there's trying. so much to They're be done still i'm wondering whether a policy would assist
0: right I mean, right to address it at the at the at the policy, policy level so that all
3: yeah. Um, healthcare practitioners, professionals are familiar with what are the steps to take, what to do, what to do. Because it's, sometimes you really get a sense that, um, and people come to us because they're not sure what we are to go to next.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Clients
3: I think- come to us because they do not know what to do next. And we sit right. explaining to them, have they asked you this? Have they asked you that? Have you done this? Have you done that? Okay, well, this is what we call doctors. We call Dr. Mate.
1: I'm not
3: satisfied with something (laughs) going on with somebody receiving radiation. We facilitate patients to get to Guyana for radiation because it's Mm -hmm. not available locally. So the Dominica Cancer Society does that. Mm -hmm. We make um, the arrangement, the connection with the the Cancer Institute of Guyana. Um, Something is going wrong in, in Guyana. I'll call Dr. Mate. Look, that, 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 that. You know, she may call and try to clarify and confirm, you know, because we, so we, we facilitate the patients are in touch with us. So I think we play a really very important role in the scheme of things. But I think it a lot of what we do requires some level of policy direction so that patients are not just all over the place trying to yeah. decide what to do. How do I get this done? Where do I go? Okay, the doctor told me so and nothing more. And part of the other care that she spoke about is even after the diagnosis and the treatment, your follow-up care. Um, I've never spoken to a dietitian locally, except I made my own efforts to get someone to sit with me and let's discuss my diet and, and, and you know all the things that I should eat or shouldn't eat. And do my own little research. Um, it's not readily available. I wish some of that, and we even do some of that. So sometimes, long before, um, you know, I'm on the phone talking to people, and hey, by the way, you know, you should. I I just want to suggest, recommend, you know, um, that you may gradually want to consider eliminating X, Y, Z from your diet. Some of the things I told them is sugars, um, dairy products. Um, encouraging a lot of water, encouraging them to stay physically active. So we do all of that, but there is, you know, and we need help in doing those things because it's a lot for a little yeah, not so, organization. So
0: I, yes, I am getting what you said And you go into a lot of places that 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 I think is so uh, are so important. Um, the advocacy. So you 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 spoke about policy, um, and I'm tying it back to what. Dr. Martin was saying that if you have a doctor who is forward leaning or who's not too, like he's not overwhelming the number of patients that he or she has to see and so on that he has some space that so he can pick up the phone and call and advocate for that patient. You know, I sent a patient to you and she came back or he came back and said, you don't have appointments for another two months, but I think this is critical. Can you fit her in? Can you fit her in? That That from so we say policy, but is it like maybe having some standard procedures developed and have the training done with with the doctors so that they can see that? Um, but also it highlights the importance of the dominical cancer society because when you talked about your your three areas, you also spoke about education and advocating, right? And that is what I see you doing. Like somebody comes to you. And you, you pick up the phone, you call Dr. Martin, you call yes. the lab, you call and yes. so on, you know, and so on. And so we see that interlocking between the, the Dominica Cancer Society and the caregivers for, for folks with cancer. And that in itself sounds like things that maybe we can do. Um, right. You have the experience with the Barbados Cancer Society and how they operate, and so I'm sure you have that aspiration to see the Dominica Cancer Society <laughs> go to that level. Um, I, I don't know if we have time in the program, maybe to have you talk about um, yeah. what are some of the what are some of those steps that 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 would that would get you closer to that. If we say that that is the silver standard or the gold standard for the for cancer society in the Caribbean. Compared to where we are in Dominica, what are some of those resources that you think would make a difference?
3: Well, remember Barbados Cancer Society is operated as a business. As it a is a Barbados Cancer Society that you go to get any kind of screening you want done. Um, so they have their own mammogram machine and their nurses there, and they employ doctors. Doctors are employed with them, so it's a business. Because and it's Barbados private. also has yes, it's a private business. Oh. And Barbados okay. also has a cancer support association, something so, that does the kind of work that the Dominica Cancer Society does, oh, okay. that provides okay. funding, okay. that provides psychosocial support, that helps people navigate through the healthcare system. So I am not sure if, um, and I think what we are doing is 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 very important. I think mm-hmm. there are other providers who are providing things like the mammograms and the the screening. I think we right. facilitate right. some of that. For instance, mm. the Dominica Cancer Society um, made an arrangement with with nurses to have um, 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 cervical cancer screening, perhaps Miss done, You know, during cervical cancer awareness month, we are, we we've made arrangements to have um, breast um, self examination demonstrations and all of that done during the course of this month. We are making arrangements to have um, educational programs during the course of, of the month, and you know other activities here and there. Um, we normally always have an arrangement with um, the labs, Well, it's the medical diagnostics who offer mammograms in the absence of anything um, um, that the, the, the government has available. And normally we have an arrangement with them here during the month of October, we normally write to them requesting a discount and they always offer it for breast screening during the month. The Dominica Cancer Society takes these initiatives. We do that, and that is going on. Um, so I right think... now,
0: no, even right now, so right now, we're saying that women, you can go get screened because you got. There's this a month at, at a discounted price. Yes. Right. Yes. So we encourage everybody to take advantage yes. of it. You know. Yes. Um, get screened. It might save your yes. life. You know. Um, month of October, you get 30 percent. Just make it a habit. <clears throat> Every October, go get your right. screening done get till maybe it's available at a, at a discounted okay? price. Yes. At so a discounted um
3: price. I'm not sure if what we require is um, an organization like the Barbados Cancer Society. Right, but you explained that we to ideally her. would like to offer more screening where we are able mm-hmm. to, but um Operating like a business is going to take a different business model right, than the not-for-profit right, right. um, model that we are now operating under. No, so certainly so, that's not what yes, I intended to ask.
0: We don't want to turn you from what you are providing. Such right, right. So I think, private, I think yes, yes, at yes. All, at all. But somebody is asking, um, ask Yvonne, what would be needed in terms of assistance to have um, a policy document developed?
3: Probably we <laughs> should ask Dr. Amate. <laughs> okay, you know, either one, either I think one. It is. Either one. Um, um, Dr. Amate, yes, go ahead, Dr. Amate. Uh, At least standard operating procedures for certain things, you know,
0: yes. Do you agree, uh, uh, let, let me take it a step back. As someone who has worked in Dominica as an oncologist, mm-hmm. do you agree that there are gaps in, in, in the policies that currently exists, um, that if those gaps were closed, it would improve the, um, the quality of care and the, and the outcomes?
2: Well, <laughs> well, first of all, let's just start by the fact. I don't think there exists a national policy as it's really specific oh, specifically wow. to cancer care. I could be wrong. It may be that we do have some sort of policy that, that was included yeah, as, part, as part of some development plan. Um, that, that spoke specifically on the heading re-cancer care and cancer, and, and cancer management. But so maybe, maybe there does exist a document that just needs to be revisited and updated, but I personally am unaware of this. So I think the first thing that would have to be done would be to find out whether such a document exists and look at that when it was made and see if it can be updated. If it is totally unviable for the for, for the for the time in which we find ourselves if it does exist then i think a new one needs to be done but and then with the development of a policy then you'd have to have the involvement of stakeholders yes. i mean of course um patient advocacy um as for the cancer society would be important um yes. physician and not just, not just clinician, but also surgical, also um, um, radio, radiological, right? And also as it pertains to the management, also pharmaceutical, and as it pertains to the management. Right. So, yes, do I think that a policy needs to exist? I, I wholeheartedly do. Um, because it's only if there are certain standards that are set that we can then go out and advocate. And then go right. out and say and insist that these things be adhered to. I mean, Miss Yvonne is, is a is a past police woman. I mean, you know, you can <laughs> you cannot enforce a law if it doesn't take place. So, right, <laughs> right. So, so yes, so so of course that is what we need, and I think that is a good starting point. I want to mention, before I go any further, that there are other advocacy groups in the diaspora. I know that there... I don't know, Mr. Dragon, if you're aware of it, but I know that there's this Dominica Health and Education Initiative um, that exists. I
0: think. Right,
2: right. That exists, Mm -hmm. and I had been in contact and communication with them some a couple years back. I mean, since the whole COVID thing, everything just kind of fell off, and now that I'm no longer home... I must say that we have not had contact, but they also too, as they being a group of mainly healthcare professionals living abroad, they were very enthusiastic and interested in seeing how they could um, help, even if it's something as, as grinding as developing policy or even helping in terms of patient care and all sorts of things. So I think I think we have the human resource that we need. We have Dominicans all, right. the all over
1: the globe. We wind. have Dominicans
2: that have been educated at, 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 at every echelon of education and have held every level of, of position throughout the globe, right? We, we are proud and educated people. Right. So, so it's not like I, th- I know that we have the human resource that we need, home and abroad, to formulate a viable policy that reflects and is adaptable for our local situation. Because right. what may work somewhere may not work at home. Right? right. So it, right. Needs, it needs to be something that is indigenous and works and is done by us, for us, to give right. it the best possible chance of, of success.
0: Thank you for that. Um... Yvonne well, I'm sure you agree with, with, with all of what um, Dr. Martin just said. And exactly. the idea about uh, uh, you know identifying where those resource persons are. Right. There might be people who in positions who have put their hand on a on a healthcare policy that is of yeah. cancer right off the bat, exactly. and then send it down to us that can be modified right. and adjusted. Yeah.
3: And we 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 thing. we we really don't have to reinvent the wheel because yeah. I exactly. know that these things are available. Some year I recall not very long ago, I think at the level of either CARICOM or wherever, there was the development of a policy to do with um, um, H, but I think it was just to do with the human papillomavirus because they wanted to introduce this vaccine,
2: right? Um, and they did, right? So there was successfully oh, but that introduced was the only thing, in 2019,
3: uh, right? That was the only thing. So I'm very sure at the level of CARICOM, at the, at the global level with so many Dominicans working all over the place, it should not be difficult to get something that we can adapt to our needs, to our local needs. But, but um, Dr. Mate, mm-hmm. one of the mm-hmm. other concerns I have is the fact that we are utilizing um, international um, stats um, mm-hmm. in terms of mm-hmm. our cancer situation on island. So we, 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 we are out there talking about one in six men will probably be diagnosed with, with, with prostate cancer. We are out there talking about one in four women may be diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and sometimes I'm of the view that we, for us locally or regionally, I'm not sure if we know for sure. And one of my other areas of advocacy is, um, it is of concern to us in the Dominica Cancer Society that we have so many high incidents of of late diagnosis and mortality within months sometime or a year or two of diagnosis, and whether there should not be some research, some study to determine probably what exactly is going on. Um, And that too is another thing that I think that we can get the help with um, our wider human resource base in the diaspora, to
2: probably
0: address... In that, even in data yes. collection yes. and right. analysis.
2: So, Miss so, yes. so, so Yvonne, what you are speaking of, you're preaching to the choir here. What you're talking about is a cancer registry. Right. And, a can, and a cancer registry would, would, would capture, ideally should capture, all the local cases of cancer and break them down to the sum of their parts in a way that we can then gather data that we can use to drive policy. So take, for instance, using breast cancer as an example. So we can be able to see, because the cancer registry would have a lot of different pieces of information. So we'd be able to see, okay, say, for instance, there's a, there seems to be a higher incidence of breast cancer in X village. Why Right. That? You know, what's happening there? Should we go there? Should... Should we, should, we, should we carry out some investigation as to find out is it, is it something that's contaminating? Is it something that you know, that kind of thing. Or we may find out that our age that whereas breast cancer globally is a post-menopausal woman thing, maybe we're seeing that our figures are skewed, that we're having a higher percentage of premenopausal women right. developing breast cancer so that would mean our national screening policy would have to change to right. reflect what we are seeing, so maybe for us, we would have to start screening from thirty-five because we're right. seeing women coming developing breast cancer much younger. So, 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 data. Well, as as an oncologist, everything that we do is driven by data. All of our by trials, data. everything is data. data. Data is key, right? It's not just it's not a feeling. It's it's, it's hard facts and which cannot right. be dis- disputed. It's not alternate alternative facts. It's hardback. right? So, um, yeah. So, so, so a cancer registry, I think that is one of the simplest and most impactful right. things that on a national level, not on the level of the Cancer Society, not at exactly. the level of the Department of Oncology, but on a national level. So the statistics department of the government of the Commonwealth of Dominica would have to be involved in, 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 in correlating that data in a way that then we can then use that data now to
3: drive to develop policy. policy. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: I mean, so you hear things like um, you have teachers and healthcare people if a child comes to them and they suspect abuse that they are compelled to report it. Mm-hmm. So I'm hearing something similar is needed for cancer. Well, that cancer
2: is a reportable. Is a reportable. Yeah. So reportable.
0: so we're saying yeah. that that is not, but well, that is not something that's actively operating in Dominica right no,
2: now. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. It's reported. Okay. So 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 we can get like raw figures, like Miss Yvonne, You know that we can get like raw figures. The raw the,
3: figures. Number, X of cancers, number of people. Yes. X,
2: but that's not that's what right. a cancer. That's not what a cancer registry is. And re, a cancer registry delves. Further, it it splits yes. it apart. It gives you the age. It gives you the sex. It gives you the right. it gives you the address. It gives you the right. age. It gives you the right. subtype. It delves right. in a lot deeper it and it also
0: everything along the way. and
2: it okay. also follows this patient. So it gives right. you you can also then get mortality information. How many of these right. women that were diagnosed and were treated actually right. are alive in five years' time? So you get right. mortality data. You also get morbidity data. How many of these women are now suffering from X as a result of of whichever component of yes. the therapy? So it Recurrences gives you a lot, right? right? So it gives you a lot more data than just um just just the plain incident. What we right. have is is incidence figures, and we don't even get all because some it's not capturing the people who are diagnosed. Oh, Side of the hospital um so you know micro if someone goes private or someone goes private or someone was abroad say for instance like someone like miss yvonne she was diagnosed abroad but she came back home right and she's dominica and i brought right?
3: all my documents to oncology so i told so- them i was diagnosed abroad and i wanted right. to be part mm-hmm. of Right. 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 So here's so, my diagnosis. Here is what? Because I, I needed the follow-through. Right. Or the follow up. Right.
2: Right. So, so I did that. Uh, so yeah. so she wouldn't have been captured because she wasn't diagnosed at home. So she wouldn't right. have been reported. But then mm. a cancer registry would have captured her because she's now within the system. Within right. The system. So, right, right. So so you so it would go different. back and get the right. diagnosis and right. go forward right. and get the treatment. Right. Okay. So 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 it gives it gives, it gives much more reliable data. It's strong and you can really use that data to advocate. So I can then take that 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 raw data and I can advocate for certain drugs because I can say, hey, 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 look at this. According to our cancer registry, women are being diagnosed with this subtype of breast cancer and we don't have the treatment for it. It right. needs to be included right. on the list, on the then list of drugs because we're, we're, we're failing 20% of our women. And I, can, and, and I can show that. But without that data, we can't. We can't.
0: So at the new location where you are, um, is there a cancer registry? And that's just
2: it, there isn't. <laughs> there, there is not? Isn't. There isn't. There, 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 there is. there, they're advocating for it, mm. but, but there isn't as yet.
0: No, there okay, isn't. Okay. 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 I was just asking because I'm saying, you know, we yes. could just that's um, that's
2: one of that's one of the things I'm 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 trying to, to get. Involved working, with so you. as
0: you're working for them, just keep copies and send it to us and we'll, yeah. we'll just keep running down the guy as well. But <laughs> okay. but you know, we could go on talking for hours. It's Boy, already almost two hours. I want, about mm. I want to talk about prevention. I want to talk about prevention. Um I know we you define what cancer is at at the start. Um, and there's a word there's a term that you use, modifiable risk factors. Right. Um, when you, you spoke about the causes of cancer, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm am and, and you said there are some factors that we don't have control over, right. and there are some factors that we that may be influenced by our habits and our lifestyle. Yeah. That's what I'm interpreting when you said modified yes, the yes, lifestyle.
2: Yes, yes, yes. That's, that's a yeah. sound interpretation.
0: So let's talk about what, what folks can do to, to minimize the risk with, as much as is possible um,
2: Okay. Of, so, of, of
0: our diagnosis. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. So specifically mm-hmm. to breast cancer, as I had stated, the modifiable and non-modifiable risk factors. Right. The, the, the risk factor that carries the most weight unfortunately is one of the non-modifiable ones and that is gender by virtue of being female um, gender, we yes. that 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 increases our risk exponentially <laughs> and right. fem- and 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 so yes so we cannot change our chromosome so yes even though one can change how they identify they cannot change. their actual chromosomes so by virtue of being born female that is the strongest and highest risk factor right so we can't modify that however there are modifiable risk factors that that if we deal with them appropriately can drop can decrease your risk by about at least 20 percent and that's nothing Mm -hmm. to laugh at right so when we talk about the modifiable risk factors we're talking about lifestyle things We're talking about obesity. Obesity increases your risk of developing breast cancer. We're talking about the consumption of tobacco and tobacco products in cigarettes or however it is that you consume tobacco. We're talking about the overindulgence in alcohol. Although there are those that say that there is no safe low limit. I don't believe that. But... (laughs) But there are there are certain limits that are set in terms of the right. consumption of alcohol, and consuming above that, or consuming alcohol, um, on a fairly regular regular basis, has been linked to, a, to an increased risk of developing breast cancer. Um, a sedentary lifestyle, right? So yes, obesity is one, but there are some people who are not who would not be considered obese based on the parameters that we use to define obesity, but a sedentary lifestyle is also associated with an increased risk in breast cancer. And that's something I know. Mean, so many of us sit and work at a desk for hours at a day and get absolutely mm-hmm. no exercise in. Right. Right? So yes, lack of exercise and a sedentary lifestyle increases your risk. Also too, if you've had past radiation explosion, I'm not talking about an x-ray or, or anything or a CT scan or anything like that I'm talking about if you may have had some form of lymphoma usually we're talking about the case where a young person or a child was treated and diagnosed with lymphoma and as and in the course of the treatment of their lymphoma had to get radiation to their chest area particularly if that person was prepubescent at the time that they receive yeah. that radiation, that increases mm-hmm. their risk of developing breast cancer and early breast cancer exponentially. That is someone yeah. that needs to start screening for breast cancer from the age of 25. Right? So all of these, but these are modifiable risks because obviously chest radiation is not something you have to have. Right? right? But yeah. their risks. Um, also to your first age of of yeah your age of pregnancy of your first child. Now, it is, it's been linked, child wearing and also breastfeeding has been been linked to a decrease in breast cancer. So now, particularly, I want to say, I guess, from my generation go down, (laughs) from children born in the 80s go down. Um, we have been putting off childbirth more often than not because whereas our parents would be, would have had their kids in their 20s, a lot of people from, from my generation are having their children in their 30s they're even their 40s, right? Something that, that in our parents' generation would have been unheard of, really. Yeah. Um, and the later age of childbearing, if you have your child after the age your first child after the age of 30 that has been linked with an increased, with a slight but statistically significant increased risk of developing breast cancer if you did not breastfeed if you were pregnant but didn't breastfeed breastfeeding has actually been found to be protective for breast cancer against breast cancer um so i if you if you if you took hormone um hormone replacement therapy in your postmenopausal life. So, you know, some women, when they go through menopause, it's particularly traumatic. I mm. mean, the hot flashes, the mood swings, all of it. And for a long period of time, there was an, the, the therapy for that was hormones. <laughs> they gave you mm. hormonal injections. And then afterwards, it was found out that those hormonal injections, even though they dealt with your symptoms, they increased the risk of developing breast cancer. So those sorts of things are the modifiable risk, are just are, are the most common modifiable risk factors mm. um, that are associated with
0: breast cancer. Awesome. Yvonne, uh, same thing. But I, you have a personal story as well. But uh, what kind of lifestyle changes? I, um, both of you guys spoke about having a dietitian having um, a psychologist, people to talk to, I guess we talk about stress levels. Yeah. Um, what sure. are some of those lifestyle changes um, that, that you from advocate that, that could help prevent a diagnosis in the first place and probably um, prevent a recurrence um, right. of somebody who may, who may be a survivor?
3: Okay, well, um, and just speaking from my own personal experience, I did modify my diet a little bit. I think I was always someone who, um, you know, ate properly, balanced diet, lots of fruits and veggies. In between, I enjoyed a nice um, pork or any other steak and jerk, this and that, and all of that. So I had to modify. I eliminated meat completely. Um, I still like cheese from time to time, but I reduced a lot of my intake of, of dairy products. I did um, eliminated sugar for a while. You know, I start taking in a little bit more now, but I eliminated it for a while completely. And I think um, and of course, um, being physically active, I always was. I always was. I always try to keep fit and all of that. So that is important. And this is part of what we at the Dominica Cancer Society also share with clients who come to us, about remaining physically active, about modifying their, their diet in terms of the things they ate and drank, about trying to eat as natural as possible and eliminating as much processed foods and those things as they possibly can from their diet, um, trying to eat as organic and as natural as they possibly can. This is among what I did. This is among what we encourage um, people to do. Um, I I have observed, though, that sometimes in treatment, um, people are much more um, conscious and will more likely follow proper eating habits and so on. And I think once people think they are over treatment and they are in recovery, they may return to the normal style of eating and all of that. And again, it would be it would have been really very nice to have. Something like the like the the cancer um database that that Dr. Mate spoke about, so that we could we could follow because I too get very concerned about the individuals who have occurrences every now and then and would like to know exactly what is causing it, why is it happening uh, and and so on so from so from the cancer society standpoint and from my personal standpoint, we do try to encourage you know proper lifestyle, proper eating habits, um, physical activity. activity and
0: so on. Mm-hmm. Yes. Definitely. Physically yeah. active. All right. I think I think we need you're gonna say something, Doctor Martin. Yes,
2: I just I just want to chime in a little bit on the on mm-hmm. the dietary. Sure. On the dietary. Um, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know okay it for me when I speak with a patient, oftentimes I'm, my first my point of contact with that patient is when that patient is coming for active therapy. So I think there are certain things that can be done before, certain things that can be done during, and certain things that can be done after, right? Now, while you are getting therapy, as I always advocate to the patient, the important thing is that you get in the nutrients that you need in order to be able to sustain yourself during therapy, right? Now is not the time to go on a green juice diet. Now is not the time to go On an intense two-week detox and fast. Yeah. That is not the time for that. Okay? Because what will happen is that you will be two weeks and too hungry to tolerate the therapy. And the lack of, you may think that you are taking in nutrients, but the lack of nutrients would put you at risk from developing really significant adverse effects that that could have been avoided right? Mm. So during active therapy, I advocate for them to try as much as possible to have a balanced diet. And we know what a balanced mm-hmm. diet is. We know. We know when we're eating badly, right? And we know what a balanced diet is. Your plate, divide it in three, half fresh fruits and vegetables or vegetables, one one quarter, your carbs, try to make it as unprocessed as possible. We live in the yeah. as, I think we live in the breast baskets of of the Eastern Caribbean. So getting fresh food should not be an issue, right? Quarter of of the plate is your carbohydrates and your other quarter is your protein. If your protein protein is beans, then your protein is beans. If your protein is meat, then your protein is meat. There has been no evidence. There has been no objective evidence that has been put forward that shows that a strictly vegan or vegetarian diet Um, is statistically significantly protective from developing cancer as a matter of fact, right? What has been shown is that a balanced diet is what is required. So if you are vegan already, if you are vegetarian already, then great. But while you're receiving therapy, it's not the time to make these drastic life changes, right? Because your body may not be able to deal with it. Those sort of transitions require complete rewiring. And now it's not the time right. to be doing that, right? Prior yes. to that, if you're thinking about preventative measures and you want to make sound and solid lifestyle changes, then I always advocate for a gradual introduction. In right. You cannot go from eating meat with every meal to on on, and then all of a sudden you you don't eat meat at all. You going to send eating oh, fish? You you're going to start the shark? Right. And you're most likely not going to keep up. with That's where the dietitian comes in. The dietitian can give you a plan that eases right. you into it and makes it something that, if you think it's something that you want to continue, that you will most likely be able to do. Right. Okay. So it depends on the point of care that, with, that the that patient is coming at, and stuff, and and it, it's important that it's been nutritive. That mm-hmm. is the important that you gain definitely
1: the nutrients,
2: Right? Not necessarily because yeah. So so that's yeah. that's that's my that's my takeaway read read the diet the dietary advice. Yeah. For the cancer case.
3: Yeah. I'm laughing right. Matter um, because I probably I probably went too drastic because I recall in the first two years or so I probably lost I mean a Younger. good amount of my body weight. <laughs>
2: Exactly. And like you come make, make, like make, make, and you beg, 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 beg,
3: I went back almost <laughs> as slim as I was before I had children. Imagine and that. I looked more sick than I do now <laughs> because probably it was too drastic, too much, too soon. Right, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah.
2: Gradual.
3: Yes. Everything
2: yes. in moderation, including moderation. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so. So, Dr. Mate and, yeah. and Yvonne, um, we, have to, we have to bring it to a close. It's almost two hours. Yes. I, it doesn't oh seem God like it that. because there is so much. Oh, my goodness. Um, I was wondering that we what we were
3: talking about for an hour. And look at us, therefore, yeah, two hours later. Yeah.
0: Because there was so much great information, so a much Lord. great information. Yes. Um, I mean, I, 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 if anything could come up to this, if we could get folks, I, I, we have some folks who are contributing, well, obviously healthcare um, personnel. Yeah. If yeah. we could get some some folks together and we could start working on trying to identify uh, a cancer registry that we could um, transplant or, or export into Dominica and we can customize it for Dominica, that would be awesome if it came out of that. Um, if we have folks who are at an administrative level where you have access to um, patient care policies and patient care protocols and all of those things that that will help yeah. us to track, um, you know, and improve the outcomes. Let's let's get together yeah. and see how we can we can make some of those things happen. So I, I want to tell I want to say thank you, but I'm going to give each of you um, a final word, and then we'll bring it to a close. So Dr. Martin, you go first. <laughs>
2: Again, I want to say thank you so much for inviting me, for allowing me to be present on your platform, to share what I think is important information. I hope if it helped one person, then it was a success. And I just want to say that, yes, cancer is there. It's not going anywhere. And it appears that the prevalence is increasing. But I do think that there is hope. And I think we as Dominicans can work together with our collective efforts and human resource know-how and really develop something that works for our local experience. And I look forward to that. And I look forward to participating in that as much as I can. And again, thank you so much. Thank
0: Thank you. you. Thank you so much, Doctor. Martin, for your time. Yvonne, thank you. I mean, I yes. see you all over the place, especially now that it's Breast Cancer Month. Um, you, you have so much vitality and energy. Um, again, we want to congratulate you on, on stretching those, you know, survivor years um, to be mm-hmm. in the 20 years post and 40 years post, you know. Um, but no, no, um, seriously, though, I, I really appreciate you um, taking the time to be with us um, and the audience as well expressing um, a lot of gratitude for the information you shared. Your final words.
3: And uh, I too want to really thank you for the opportunity to be part of this program. I I, you know, I am. I always welcome every opportunity to share, and not just so that people probably get to know about me or my experiences, but so that they can take some sort of personal responsibility and action. You know, so Dr. Mate spoke about collective responsibility, and I want to speak about um, taking personal responsibility for your health. You know, you heard all of the information. Don't just listen and say, this was an interesting program, but resolve to take action. Take action, do your breast self-examinations, do your pap smears, ladies, men. Do not be afraid to at least start by having the PSE, and then you know you move on to having the, the, um, the rectal examination. And I'm mentioning these cancers because these are still the ones that have the highest prevalence rates in Dominica, And these are still the ones that have the highest mortality rates in Dominica. We have to take personal responsibility. And part of that personal responsibility is getting screened. If you're not of the age where you should be having a mammogram, at least do a breast self-examination and get a pap smear done, ladies. You know, we have to do that. Make that part of your 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 annual whatever the same way you celebrate your birthdays the same way you 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 know whatever you 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 celebrate certain milestones please make having screening part of your lifestyle and do whatever it is you can to be in the category of those who will not be diagnosed because the diagnosis is still scary and you heard our situation, particularly in Dominica, where there are gaps in care. And so you really want to avoid being in a situation where you are being diagnosed with cancer. So do whatever it is that, that it takes to keep you healthy. Thank you so very much again. And just want a special shout out to all members of the Dominica Cancer Society. Some of them will listen in and some of those who will be listening probably after the program. Thank you again very much and all the very best to you and the work that you are doing, because this is very, very important.
0: Thank you so much, Yvonne. And and I I listened to your interview with Civic Vibes on Sunday. And one of the things that I heard you say was that you have volunteers who sit with um, patients who are going through care. And yes. they sit and give them encouragement and advocate yes. for them and and yes. so on. So I want to encourage folks. I want to say thank yes. you to them first of all. I want to encourage folks to contact this cancer society and see yes. how you can volunteer your yes. time to assist in that. Are you, are you, gonna, you you can come back and talk for a you can talk for a couple minutes if you want to to talk about that aspect of the yes. function of the cancer.
3: Yes, definitely. And and um, Dr. Mattia worked at oncology, so should be. I'm familiar with what we refer to as our hospital support team. A few more individuals have volunteered, but initially it used to be like this main person being there every week um, that patients are receiving um, chemotherapy. Chemotherapy is scary. Some patients are not familiar with it or what to expect. Some of them come there with preconceived notions based on what they were told by others. And so we have this team the team now includes some cancer survivors. The team includes a retired nurse that you know that can sit with the patients and actually um, support them while they are receiving care. On this particular day, where they are, go, where they are receiving care, and I, yes, like you said, I would really like to appeal to you know um, cancer patients, those who have recovered, those who are in recovery, to please volunteer their time to the cancer society. We also need individuals who have a little background in counseling. Sometimes um, patients need, it used to be available um, at the hospital, but probably not so much now. I think since COVID, people were reassigned. So we do have to do a little con- a little bit of emotional, psychological support for patients. Um, we do have patients that go, go through grief when, um, you know, some of our members do lose the battle and succumb to cancer-related illnesses. And sometimes it throws the entire group into mourning. So we need like people who will who can provide a little bit of grief counseling. And generally, the Dominica Cancer Society can do with as many extra hands as we possibly can get. Um, sometimes we, 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 we need assistance with things like developing um our to maintaining our social media presence um developing brochures and flyers and things like that you know we we, we need if you even can if you even tech savvy and can assist us with things like that we would welcome it you know any little help that you think you can give even if you don't have the money but you have any kind of talent or skill that you think we can make use of please we would welcome your support and your assistance and again, thank you for the few extra
0: minutes yeah. to speak about... A, that and, and the one other therapy. thing is that, one other thing, Yvonne, is that um, I heard you mention that every year Dominica loses more than a hundred um, yes. patients to cancer, and you brought yes. it to reality where you were saying that that is more than two people a week die from yes. cancer in
3: Dominica. Yes, yes. Um, in 2020, 2020, it was something like 100 and almost 140 something people. Wow! That's cancer-related three people. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I think in 2020 it was something like um, we had 144 people succumb to cancer wow. in Dominica wow. in 2020. We had 143 people succumb to cancer in Dominica in 2021. That's a lot. Well, That's That's for always. me, it's a lot for Everybody. a small country, a natural country, mm-hmm. the Nature Isle. You meet 144 people succumb to cancer-related illnesses, and I think sometimes we're not even really aware of that. You know, so it's going up. It was 90 something, then 117. Now we're in the, we're in the 140s. Just deaths yeah. from cancer. It's a lot. That's
0: deaths. Yeah. Yes. And so the reason, I, the reason I wanted to keep it at the end is because I like to that when we give people information we want them to take action and so right. we understand the gravity of the situation right. three people a week dying from cancer in yes. on average
3: it's a lot that, that
0: is a lot and so listeners i encourage you to take some action the email for the dominica cancer society is dom cancer d-o-m cancer society at gmail.com yes d-o-m cancer society at gmail.com Email them. Um, we have a Facebook page help,
3: and, we, and we, they, we we get we receive the messages on Facebook as well on Facebook so as you can well, like and the follow the, and the page website. and yes, mm-hmm. yes, okay. and send us a message on the page and we respond.
0: Yes, yes, certainly. So so the last thing I want to do is to you know express solidarity and I guess condolences to everybody who have lost um, someone to through breast cancer um, you, you know it, it, I, I'm sure every time you hear that discussion it, it it brings that memory back to you and so we wish you comfort and, and we wish you um, you know hopefully you have very good memories of that person that helped you through that so our sincere condolences to, to those who have lost um, someone someone there to you to to breast cancer or to cancer in general. Um, we express solidarity and support to those who are battling through it and and, and encourage you to do what you need to do and um, to come out successful on the other side as a, as, as a survivor. Uh, as we, So the, the purpose of this month is to do that, is to bring it to awareness and to really express the solidar- solidarity and to circle the wagon so for, for all of those who are being adversely affected by cancer and breast cancer in particular. So my 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 guests tonight on this weekend interview were these two lovely ladies, Dr. Asha Martin and Miss Yvonne Alexander. They are so generous with their time. It's over two hours and they still look fresh like we could go on for <laughs> another two hours. But I want to say thank you so oh much. Um, I want to see a continuation of that. So let's see how we can really take up some of those ideas and some of those needs that were identified and see how we can contribute um, to that, listeners. And so I want to say um, thank you for staying tuned. Thank you for the active participation. If um, it's October, there's a whole bunch of people in my life who celebrate birthdays in October. So happy birthday to you if you're celebrating your birthday in the month of October. Um, It's almost sacrilege not to say happy birthday to somebody who's born in October. They really <laughs> they really take it seriously. So, happy birthday to everybody. And take heed, you know, there was a mention yes. of, of um, lifestyle modification. Watch what you eat, when you eat, how much you eat, what, you know, the quality of what you eat. Right. Um, take a walk, you know, if you're working in a sitting position, stand up every so often. Make some time in the morning or in the evening to walk for half an hour. And, and let's see how we can face up to cancer on the front line. And, and and really um, make a dent in that alarming rate of, of occurrence of cancer mobility. So thank you so much, ladies. I wish you all the best. Yvonne, I wish you a, a very successful month of Cancer Awareness Month. Dr. Asha, good luck with your career. I, I, I look forward you. to the next time that you're on. Yes. Yes,
2: yes, yes. Thank, thank you. you. so all much. Right, and thanks so thanks thanks nice seeing again. you, Asha. Same here, Miss Yvonne. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> all right, babe. bye. Take care. Thank you so
3: much for having me. Thank you. God bless. All right, so
0: listeners, there you have it. Another great episode of this week in interview. I bet you did not know that cancer was so prevalent. We know it is. We hear it, but when you hear, on average, three persons per week die. Wow, and those that die, the prevalence. And sometimes you 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 survive, but the impact of the the impact of the treatment is so rough on you and your family. That it does have the adverse effects spreads even beyond those to just those who, who pass away. So, good night. We'll be doing this again next week, Wednesday. Uh, I look forward to spending some more time with you next week. Have a great remainder of your week and enjoy your weekend. Good night, everyone. <music>